Hey, it's Kathy. I have something so fun to tell you about. You may know that the doors are open to my new program, The Abundance Method, but if you enroll by May 15th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific, you're going to get my signature business program also made to do this. That's a $3,000 program that you are going to get for free, included if you sign up by May 15th, just before midnight Pacific time. Made to do this is a phenomenal program that has helped thousands of souls to start businesses, to be able to make a living doing something that they love. This is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope you guys are having a great week. So much going on right now for me this week. I've been having so much fun doing this five-day workshop for songwriters. We did a live workshop last week, and this week I'm hosting this online five-day workshop, and some of you might already be in it. I dropped a link to it in the show notes for Monday's episode. It started on Monday, and if you want to catch the last two days, it's going to be going on until Friday. Um, You can catch us. It's free. It's been so neat to get to talk to thousands of songwriters and seeing people just start to be back, you know, reminding themselves of what they really want and pushing through the limiting beliefs and starting to say, okay, so what is it going to take? And starting to get that excitement again when they start to see what's really possible. Like we all want to be reawakened with that path in front of us where we can see it again. And we, and we say, yes, that really is what I want. No, I'm not going to keep saying I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not fine. I really want this. So, um, it's been fun. And I hope you guys enjoyed Lisa Congdon on Monday. She's extraordinary. I think it's just amazing how she quit her job at 40, you guys. And look, you know, it's like we have all of these thoughts that they're not facts, right? Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. And we have these thoughts like I'm too old and forget it. It's already done. And why, you know, my aunt, she went to law school at 40 and she's in her late seventies now. And she just retired and she was a lawyer for 30 years. You know, she had like a whole second act. So it's just so important to know that as long as you're here, you're here. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday or 14 months ago. It matters what you want to create and you can do this. And on that point, so for today's show, I wanted to share a piece of actually one of the coaching sessions I did with these songwriters this week. I talk about what I discovered from my own story and I talk about other artists and what it takes to really serve people through your art and align and make an awesome living doing the thing that really lights you up. I think we so often get hung up in the small details like what email provider should I use? What hashtag? What microphone do I need to record? And yes, it's so good to have the right tools, but really we need to zoom out and make sure we're focusing on the things that actually matter. So we're going to get to it right now. Before I do, I want to let you know that I'm doing a giveaway on my Instagram and I'm giving away a coaching session, a private coaching session, and also a $500 gift card to Nordstrom. So if you go on over to my Instagram at kathy.heller, you will see uh, there's a post of me sort of with my daughter and there's confetti everywhere. And if you click on it, it's it's in the feed. You can, uh, you can get in on this giveaway. I'm going to be choosing the winner in just a couple days. So come on over and enter to get a coaching session with me and a $500 
uh, Nordstrom gift card. I figured everyone could use that for back to school to get some stuff for yourself, get ready for the fall. It never hurts. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode and, uh, and see what kind of good nuggets we can pull out of this. Hi guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome. So today we're going to start out with an overview of how I feel you can best think about making it in this business. What is the strategy that worked for me? What's the strategy that I've taught to other artists that have helped them actually get the results that they want to see? And we're going to talk about what this even looks like. And I'm going to start with the very most important thing, which is I totally see you and get it. Okay. I totally understand. And you're gonna be like, what, what does she understand? So I feel like I have like almost too much empathy if that's possible, but I grew up just like every other kid dealing with my own stuff in my own house. My mom was actually manic depressive. My parents got divorced. My dad walked out, never came back, which is a likely story. But the silver lining part of it is that I, I knew what it felt like to hurt. I watched her dealing with depression which gave me a really good look at what it means for people to feel like they lost their reason to get up in the morning. And so every time I meet anyone, whether it's my Uber driver, a waiter, I don't have to know details to know they've been through a lot. I know that every person has had their heart broken. I know that every person has been through tons of loss and like huge grief um, and challenges. And I know that you're all winning silent battles that you don't tell everybody about, but that you're going through. So because I know that, I just want you to know that I get it. And the other thing that I also get is that I was a kid who felt really creative and had this dream my whole life. Like it would just like light me up like electricity when I would think about one day getting so far from where I lived and being on a stage and writing songs that I wrote. And that dream got me through such painful moments, the, the idea of it, just the smell of it, just the taste of that being a possibility. And like so many people, I was told, you, you need to let that go. You know, when you grow up, you're not going to be doing that. It's not realistic. It's not practical. Those things don't happen. Artists are starving. Get a real job one day. And when I graduated from college, my friends were going to law school and my friends were going to go get a master's in something. And I was like, I, I just want to write music, but nobody handed me a path. Nobody said, oh, this is what you're going to do. And so I came out to LA and I was like, okay, so uh, where do I get the record deal? You know, who shows me how to do that? And I got a job. I was an assistant in an office, found a roommate and she was a waitress. And we were both just like living the dream. And it took me a few years to figure out, okay, how would I reverse engineer how to get a record deal? And I found out through tons of different meetings and contacts and researching. And so I worked tirelessly. I spent all the money I made at my day job to help me make a demo. And first the songs were bad and then they were better and then they were a little bit better. And it finally actually happened that three years later, I was offered a record deal and uh, Ron Fair was my producer. I was signed to Interscope and I remember being at the recording studio when Lady Gaga was recording Paparazzi and I felt like I had arrived. I felt like I was in the Emerald City and I felt like all those years when I felt so invisible as a kid because my parents were so consumed with their own stuff and I was never the cool girl in high school or any of that, I felt like this is my moment and I'm here. And three months later, I was driving in my little blue Saab and Ron calls me and he said, are you driving? I said, yeah. He said, can you just pull over? Cause I want to talk to you about something important. I was like, oh, this can't be great. You know? 
And he said, Jimmy Iovine wants to drop you from the record record label because we're just not certain that you're going to actually be able to sell records. So I wish you lots of luck and drive safe. And I'm like, okay, it's over. And at that point, and I don't know if you've experienced this as an artist, but I think a lot of us feel like it's either Beyonce or bust. It's either you're Taylor Swift and you're playing stadium tours or you're not. Like, I, I don't think, I, I didn't, I did not know any other way. No one had ever mentioned to me. I had never seen it modeled. So when he said no to me, I was like, oh, I guess this is the end. And what's amazing is that I actually had such will. My husband says I'm the will of a small country that I actually thought, wait, no, like if I get dropped from that label, but he believed in me, there'll be another label. And so I worked super hard to do it again. And I got another record deal and I was like, oh, so I'm really just supposed to be here. It's a, Atlantic makes much more sense for me. Like, yeah, this is my place. And then I got dropped from Atlantic. So that's when I, I just didn't have anything left in the tank. You know, I just... I just had no more courage and no more belief and I was just done. And I didn't have parents to call, right? Emotionally, they weren't able to be there for me. Financially, nobody was able to be there. And I just took too many hits to the jaw and it was too much disappointment and I just broke. Um, And actually, I think it takes tremendous courage to even want things. I think that when we were kids, we've all been disappointed so much that we come up with this really amazing strategy, which is we tell ourselves, I know what I'm going to do. I won't want anything because if I don't want it, I'll never get rejected. And so we actually lie to ourselves and we tell ourselves, I don't really need to be in a relationship. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm actually better. I'm happier this way. Maybe somebody broke your heart. Maybe your dad walked out and maybe it's the same thing with our art. You know, we all reach out as little kids. We're totally unabashedly ourselves and it's beautiful. Like you never walk into a preschool and see a child who doesn't love to paint, who doesn't love to dance. They don't notice if they're good or not. They don't, it's not about being good. They just want to be. And then sadly, something happens along the way. Maybe they're six, maybe they're four and a half, maybe they're 12. And someone says, that was horrible. I can't believe you wrote that. I can't believe you got up to the talent show and did that. You were off key. So it's really vulnerable, you know, being an artist, really vulnerable. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to be any human being, just to want things. Um, So for me, I was done. So I gave up and I was like, okay, I guess this is the moment that everybody told me would happen where I'd have to give up and go become an adult and get a real job. And so I did. I worked in an interior design office. Then I worked for a nonprofit. I did so many things. So a few years are going by. And then uh, a friend says to me, oh, I know a guy in Brentwood who's a multimillionaire. He sells commercial real estate. And he's looking for someone to just work five hours a day. And he's, he's got so much money. Like maybe you could work for him and then pursue your job after work. Anyway, I wound up working for this guy. I actually was making some money. And then about a year and a half into that, I couldn't believe that that was my life. It was ridiculous. And I pulled over on the side of the road because everything happens in LA in the car because there's so much traffic. I pulled over. I was in the car. I was crying. And I thought, I didn't get through what I got through in life to grow up and be a person who has a job, goes home and reads People Magazine and watches Law and Order and goes to bed. Like, I cannot do this. And especially after everything I had been through, one of the biggest things that ever made sense to me in my life is that I realized that for my mom, her depression, it was not actually a lack of happiness, even though there was definitely a lack of happiness. 
I felt like the opposite of depression wasn't happiness. It was like purpose, living life on your terms. I felt like she didn't feel like herself. And it's a long story, but she was an artist and she had given up before she had kids. She made that choice as if it's, I either get to be a mom or I get to be an artist. Like, no, I have three little kids. I'm no one saying anything is easy, but you choose which path, right? But she had given that up and I could see how her giving up on herself, on her music was really deep down, more painful to her than anything else. So I'm like, I'm not going to give this up. So I decided I'm going to look into what else could I do. And I read an article about music licensing and I never heard that before. It was like it lit a path and I was like, I never thought about licensing music. No one ever shared that with me. And this article was great because it was specifically talking about indie artists who had licensed their music to Old Navy ads and Tropicana and shows like uh, One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek. And I was like, oh, wow, these aren't even label artists. So that's interesting. So I thought to myself, what if I just really pursued that and put everything I had into that? And so I opened up a big legal pad and I just wrote down, okay, because I just read a Stephen Covey book and he talks about the seven habits of highly successful people. And he says, begin with the end in mind. So I wrote down, okay, what's the end goal? And I wrote at the top of the legal pad, okay, I want to license my song to film and TV. I was like, okay, so what do I need to do to do that? I was like, well, I need to get my music to people who choose music for TV shows and ads. And okay, so then I need the right songs. Okay, so what songs do I send? And then I start looking, is there anything I already have that I could send? Well, how do I know? Well, I guess I should look at what music they're using. Well, I guess I should try to think about what songs to write or where do I begin? I just started to do a lot of that and it didn't happen overnight. I just remember going to the studio that first day after having not been in the studio for a few years. And I just remember coming home and I think the song we wrote was so bad and really mediocre, but I came home and I just cried such happy tears that I just felt like myself. I recognized this girl in the mirror, like she's back. And I don't know about you guys, but, you know, you can lose other people's friendship or respect or whatever, and it's not fun and it hurts. But when you lose yourself and you don't feel like yourself and you feel like you're living someone else's life or someone else's truth and you're not in alignment, you just know it. It feels awful. Like I used to, when I had those other jobs, I dressed differently. I never owned a suit or a sport coat. All of a sudden I did. I I didn't like that person. I didn't know her. So I started to write music and it wasn't all great at first. And I started trying to figure out, okay, who are the music supervisors? I didn't even know that word yet. I had to like IMDB and find out what they were called. I was like, oh, so who would the music supervisor be for this show I like? Who's the music supervisor for Grey's Anatomy? I started making lists. And then I started to research, how would I find them online? And thank goodness, because of the online situation, it wasn't this way 20, 30 years ago, but I could find a lot of these people so I could find them. But then the question was, what am I going to send? You know, like it has to be great. And that was, that was a huge breakthrough for me. Um, but essentially within a year and a half, I got my very first license and um, it was for Kodak. It was $25,000, you guys. And I cried my eyes out. And then um, after that first one happened, I got 11 in a row. American Airlines, Champion Sportswear. I did a series of NBC promos and ABC promos. I wrote for Scrubs, TV, film, ads. It was just like, boom. And I was like, oh, okay. I think I found a new way. And then it just kept growing from there. And then 2011, LA Weekly wrote an article about me. 2013 was the Billboard article. 
2015, there was an article in Variety, Music Connection. I was on the cover of the USA Today music section. And then the next thing that happened was I started to be asked to, to speak. So I would speak at the Billboard Film and TV conference about licensing. I would speak at UCLA. I flew to Berkeley and spoke. Um, I got to meet lots of artists and I never thought, you guys, in a million years that I would open an agency and help artists or that I would teach other artists. I just, to me, it was all about, you know, being Carol King and Shania Twain and Sheryl Crow. I never thought about this other piece. And so the, the, the opportunity just kept knocking, you know, and I just kept saying, no, thanks, but no. And people kept saying, um, can you open an agency? You know so many people now and you have such great relationships. And I'm like, no, I don't do that. But like, you should talk to so-and-so. And then eventually I thought, I guess I should do that. And so in 2014, uh, my grandma, who was like my rock, um, she passed away. And she said to me before she passed away, you have so much light in you and you need to give that light to other people and help other people. And my daughter at the time, my oldest, she's now seven and a half. She was two. We were outside and the the moon looked like a big, big beach ball. And she was running towards it. And she said, I'll go catch it. I'm gonna go get it. And I said to her, you know, with that kind of attitude, you will catch it. And I'm going to cry. Um, and so my grandma passed and that moment happened. I said, I'm going to start an agency called Catch the Moon. So I created the agency and I signed a band called the Highfields. They had never had a license, but they had so much heart, so much humility and so much talent. And I said, you'll be the first people I sign and I'm going to show you what I've done and I'm going to help you and listen to your music. And, and I think you can do this. And they said, okay. And you guys, they've made six figures a year since then. It's been incredible. And then from there, I started signing other artists. And then the next thing that happened was I was on the CD Baby podcast with Kevin Bruner, who's such a good guy. And I got all these people writing me emails after I was on that podcast. And this girl, Tiana, writes to me and says, you should start a course where you teach people what you're teaching the artists who get the, to get to work with you because I don't live near you and I'd love to learn and I said, oh, well, I've been helping so many artists in my network, in my community. I, artists used to come to my house and bring me a coffee. And then uh, I would sit down and tell them everything I knew. And she said, you should, you should do it online. I was like, online course sounds, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, yeah, you would just, you know, create curriculum. And I'm like, no, I don't know. And then um, along came this girl, Chelsea Davis. And she said, I want to learn everything from you. And I want you to mentor me. And can you create a course? What if I come to your house and like, ask you all the right questions and you can just teach it to me and then we'll put it anyway. I started to teach. I started at first, I just taught in my living room. I taught like 10 artists at a time. Then I started a workshop in town at a smaller theater. Then I started at a bigger theater. It started to do really well. I started to invite the music supervisors. I started to invite them to come and give feedback. And it just was so good. It was so fun and everyone liked it. So it just things that work, work. And at that point, I was like still writing my music, helping other artists. I built a team to help me. And then I started doing programs and courses. And what's amazing is, you know, we've had a few hundred people come through the program and we just put together a list of the licenses that our students have had. And it's awesome. You know, there's probably over 100 licenses on there. It's been amazing to see how many of our artists uh, feel like this has changed their life and actually gotten them results. And after all of that success, which would have been more than enough to just have helped one person, um, one of my students three years ago, Amy Loftus, she said, Kathy, you're so inspiring. You should start a podcast. I said, what's a podcast? <laughs> and she said, you should start a podcast. 
And I said, all right, I'll start a podcast. She said, but it should be for all creatives because every creative really wants to be more themselves and find a way to make a living. So I started a podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job. And we started it um, in January 2017. I've interviewed incredible people from Lisa Loeb to Howard Schultz, who created Starbucks, to Jenna Fisher, to Bobby Brown, the makeup artist, to Jonathan Adler. And the show was voted by Apple number one most inspiring podcast for 2019. And I just wrote a book. And it's called Don't Keep Your Day Job um, to help people find their life's work, to help people find their purpose. And this comes out in November. So that's my story. But now I want to talk about what are the things that I really want you to know about what made it work. Okay. Number one, there is always a way. There is always a way. Most of the time when you meet people who complain about what they don't have, it means they've been hurt. Um, They think... They have feelings of inadequacy sometimes. And what that means is like when we go to write music or we go to write the screenplay or we go to paint or whatever our thing is, if we stopped, then we got our heart broken at some point or there's something about the process that really uh, intimidates us and makes us feel like we're not enough. So we actually want the excuse to stop. We want to say, well, there's no way it would ever work out. So I stopped writing. Because when we sit down, unless we can create the most beautiful song like that, we have a hard time with ourselves. We give ourselves a really hard time. Most people don't allow the creative process to be the creative process. You know, Ed Sheeran talks about how when you write songs, he says, it's sort of like going to that log cabin and you haven't been there for a few months and you turn the water on and it's, it's like brown sludgy water. So you let the water run And within like, you know, 12 seconds, it's clear and you're fine. So he's like, that's art. You have to let the brown sludgy water come out. Like people are not born Mozart. People are not born Fred Astaire. They're not born that way. You create that, right? Through mastery and you give yourself the gentleness to let your creativity be there every day. It's sort of like you find clues and you finish a song and you go, yeah, I really love the hook of this one. Or I really love this one rhyme. Maybe I'll use that somewhere else. Or just the muscle, letting yourself be creative. What happens is you gain mastery over your creativity, you know, and you start to actually, that's why Ira Glass, who's another podcaster, says there's always a gap. He said, mind the gap, right? What's the gap? The gap is when you begin anything, you have great taste. So you can identify something that's brilliant. You can say, that's a brilliant song. That person's a great artist. But your ability in the beginning to create the same level of what you know is brilliant is, is not there yet. And that's the gap. And we have to push through that gap by continuing to create and then give yourself a chance like you're going to get there. So there is always a way and we have to be resourceful. And so much of that comes from our mindset. But then there are some really important things that also help me here, which is before I started writing music for film and TV or before I started to make a real living, I just wrote songs right? Like I would just go to the studio and just get inspired. And then I would send those songs to a a record label or whatever. And most songs, if you think about it, when people who just write just to write, they're writing about breakups and they're writing about love, right? That's like the strongest, highest stake thing that most people write about. Here was a huge game changer for me. When I actually started to be successful, it was because I was thinking about what other people needed and finding a way to use my artistic voice to help them tell their story. So the thing is, there's a Japanese word that explains this really well. It's called the ikigai. And ikigai is where three things merge. Something you love, something you're great at, and something that the world wants and needs. 
Okay. The truth is that what actually makes a person happy, what is it actually that we want in our life? What do we, what makes us feel fulfilled? So what we want is actually we want purpose and we want to contribute. We really, truly want to contribute. That's actually an incredible thing about our species, that what makes us happy, and this is the reason I brought up the mindfulness centers, because they did fMRIs where they studied people's brains, and people were more lit up when they did something for someone else than when they got something. Think about that. That's incredible that that's actually how we're designed. It's pretty awesome. So I think sometimes we just get in our own way. And essentially for years, I thought artists didn't give a crap about what other people needed and wanted. I thought that if you were truly an artist, you just made art. And I realized that that's not what I've seen. What I've seen is that artists feel other people's pain. They share other people's understandings and they help tell stories that other people say that helped me feel what I needed to feel, get through what I needed to get through. So successful people don't look for opportunities. They look to solve problems. How many of you know who Amanda Palmer is? So Amanda Palmer is an awesome artist. She's awesome. She has an incredible TED Talk, and she was on my podcast, and we talked a lot about this. And she said, you know, you know what works for me? Because she was dropped from a label, and she makes, just from her Patreon, she makes about $55,000 a month. And we talked about how that happens and why. And she said, every time I do a show, I sit at the merch table and I don't leave until the last person is done. And I listen to their life. I ask them how they are. And I listen to them tell me that their mom just got through cancer and this song helped them. And I listen to them tell me that they're really struggling to find their identity. And I listen to them tell me their life story. And she said, and then when I go to write my next record, I take all those stories and all of that pain. I say, I take it with me to the piano and then I write, So people don't really get it sometimes, right? I think that for any business, whether you're making cheesecake, you're creating an app, you're starting a coffee shop, most people do business completely backwards. They're in their own mind. We're self-absorbed. That's okay. We're all a little self-absorbed. And we create an idea and then we just shove it at people and try to get them to like it. And then we're like, business is so hard. You got to force people to like things. And sometimes they don't like it. And I guess that means you're never going to be successful. And it really needs to be the opposite, right? It really needs to be not being self-absorbed. It needs to be starting with what experience do people want? What's the number one need every human being has? It's to be seen. Everyone wants to be seen. So when we make empathy the core of our business, we become successful. And if you learn nothing else from this whole five days, take that. It's empathy. It's empathy that allows you then to know how to get out of yourself and use your art and your perspective and your creativity to tell a story that's going to feed someone else's soul. That's the job. Okay. That's why Sarah Bareilles can write this show called Waitress. And this show, I don't know how many of you have seen Waitress. It's awesome. This Broadway show she wrote. She's not a mother yet, right? The character in the play is a woman who's abused. And then at the end, she has this big redemption because she has a child and she starts to get herself together for the sake of this child. Now, every single song in that show is stunning. There's a few. There's one called Everything Changes that I lose it every time I hear it. So is Sarah Bareilles a sellout 
because she wrote music that the director and producer asked her to write. Ask yourself that. Any person who's ever stopped to think about what their client might want, does that make them a sellout? Or does that make them very smart at understanding other human beings and then using their abilities and genius and creativity to serve the world? And isn't it really that what we want is to serve other people? Because the answer is yes. So when I was starting out, thank goodness, I saw indie artists that I respected and loved whose songs were being licensed to TV shows, ads, trailers, film and TV, like Christina Perry, that song, A Thousand Years from Twilight, that's a license, right? Ingrid Michaelson, Old Navy ad, so many artists that I believe in whose music is real music. So our job is to realize that there's a difference between a hobby and a business, okay? A hobby means you can just do you and do it on your own time. Enjoy it. A business is all empathy. A business is radical empathy. A successful business is radical empathy because it means I've taken the time to figure out that ikigai, what I love doing, that I'm good at, that the world wants and needs. So that was my biggest change. And so when I started writing music for licensing, I started asking the question, what's the story that this show is telling? What song would they need? Oh, they need a song about shelter. They need a song about being there for someone. I'm going to write a song called Count on Me. Oh, they need a song about being an original. I feel like that comes up a lot. And then I ask myself as Kathy, what's my story there? Where's the overlap? And so like Count on Me, I wrote that song. I had just gone through three rounds of fertility treatment and I was told you're probably not going to have a kid. And I had a surgery. And um, the day after I wrote it, my friend Kyler came over to my house to bring me some soup and sat on the edge of my bed. And I said, let's write a song today for the baby that I'm going to have one day. I'm going to cry. And um, we called it, we wrote the song and it's called Count on Me. And I did have that little kid. Um, I have three kids now. Anyway, that song was licensed. So the biggest thing to understand is the empathy. And the biggest thing is to understand that the empathy doesn't just stop at the songs you write. It's always beginning with the end in mind, thinking of what value you have to add and serving someone other than yourself. And by the way, when you do that, you don't get nervous because it's not about proving yourself. It's not about being the best. It's about showing up in the room and being the person who cares the most. So my career really took off from that place. And I started to go out of my way to do what I told you before, to solve problems, to anticipate what people would need, to not wait around and just go. There were so many artists at the time who didn't get anything like that. They didn't get it. And they were people, you have to really be careful who you spend time with, right? Like you want to spend time with people who have a high vibe, high vibration. And so a lot of artists, like I said, they've been hurt. I get it. They've gotten their hearts broken. And so they start just like pouring out excuses. The industry's dead. It's broken. It doesn't work. People are jerks. The gatekeepers will never listen to you. You send music, you never get your back. It's forget it. It's awful. That's just, yeah, garbage. Um, and it's so easy to stand out when you come from a place of empathy and you're persistent and you're, um, you're kind um, and you don't have any of that in your way and you just keep going to like, how can I serve this person, right? So we either can have one thing or another. We can either have results or we can have excuses. You can't have both at the same time. 
You just can't. Um, so doing your research, working hard, um, being a squeaky wheel, solving people's problems, um, taking directed action, it just changed everything for me. And from that place, I just got really good at working uh, smarter instead of harder. I think a lot of artists work so hard. They're like busking on Third Street Promenade. They're touring around the country to, to rooms of like 12 in Missouri. And it's hard. And I don't, it doesn't surprise me then that they hate it, right? They're just like, forget it. You can't make a living. Right. So what's beautiful is that we live in a time where music supervisors, they're still happy to pay indie artists really well for their songs and TV shows and ads. And, and there's never a time where I don't feel like it's me. All the songs that I've written, even the songs that have been used in McDonald's, I love those songs. I perform those songs. And that's how it should be. They're not hiring you because you're just going to make something that sounds like it's cookie cutter. Otherwise, they wouldn't hire you. They would just have someone on their staff write a song and put the word sunshine in and clap their hands. They don't want that. So you have to be an artist. And then you have to figure out how to make sure that you tell a story that they're telling. And it goes back to that empathy. That's our job. Like our job is to get out of the way, be humble, and get to use our art to help tell a story that everybody wants to hear, that everybody needs to hear. Um, and the truth is that, in, like I said, in any profession, you need to care about what people want. And that's, again, what Amanda Palmer said. She's like, I care about my audience. I care. And what do people want? They want to be seen. And you need to think about how you're pitching and the fact that the people you're pitching to, they have lives and kids and a big job to do and a dog that has to go to the vet. And we need to talk to them in a way where we're not entitled but we're really there to serve them and treat them like human beings. So that's my story for today. I hope you guys had fun today. I had a great time. So thanks for being here and have an awesome week. Well, I hope that gave you a little reminder of what it truly takes to turn your passion and purpose into a business. And guess what? You already have all of this inside of you. So here are some takeaways. Number one, we've all had our hearts broken. It takes tremendous courage to go for what you want, but you didn't get this far just to work a day job. Number two, there's always a way, no excuses. Number three, use your artistic voice to tell someone else's story. Number four, it's not happiness that we're seeking. What we truly want is to make a contribution. Number five, the number one need is to feel seen. When we make empathy the core of our business, we become successful. Number six, don't work hard, work smart. Number seven, it's not about proving yourself or being the best. It's about showing up in the room and being the person who cares the most. All right, let's talk about your wins. So Amanda posted in our Facebook group and she said, I started my cookie business. It came from a recent night of feeling sad and depressed about my current job situation. So I posted on Facebook if anyone had any fun events coming up where I could practice my decorating skills and make them cookies for free. Almost everyone who commented insisted on paying. So I gave them a discounted price, slowly getting up to higher prices. I now have 16 confirmed orders. I just delivered three orders this weekend and I got invited to be a vendor in a dessert festival where I need to make a thousand samples. That's so many people getting to see my cookies and possibly buy them in the future. For now, I'm in the works of just getting a temporary part-time job while I work my butt off to make this full-time. My biggest obstacle is the advertising side of it and how to reach people. On a side note, I only baked and decorated cookies twice before this. I kind of just went for it, cried a little, and hoped for the best. You guys, you should see these cookies. They are the cutest things. Uh, she dropped a photo of these cookies she made with little llamas, and I just, oh my God, are they cute. And I just love all the support and kind words everybody's giving her. She started an Instagram and a Facebook. If you guys want to follow her, she's at Sugar Bell by Amanda. And um, I just want to tell you, Amanda, thank you so much for sharing this. You guys, 
guys, this is what it means when I say there are people just waiting for you to go do this thing, but you have to take that initiative, right? And put it out there first. And Amanda, I think you will figure out how to advertise this because once people have their hands on the cookies, they're going to tell their friends about it. And those people will tell their friends and the momentum just continues on. Plus it already sounds like you're growing your presence on social media. So keep posting content on there, whether it's a photo of your cookies, something about baking, your process, just let people know why this is important to you. Just keep trying new things and being consistent. Keep being messy. You know, you'll get feedback from your audience. You'll keep tweaking it. You'll discover what your audience really wants and, and what they need from you and just keep showing up. And it's just going to come like it's one of those things where we're all looking to figure it out, but you are figuring it out. You know, it's like all in the right time. It's just coming as it's supposed to. I'm super excited for your cookie business. So go follow her, you guys at sugar bell by Amanda and give her some love. Here's our next win. James wrote this on Facebook. He said, my win is the fact that I haven't lost motivation yet. In past years, I've been fired up only to lose interest or lose the belief that I can do it. Not this year. Since January, I've grown my Instagram from zero to 93 followers. And that is impressive for me. I started a new page just for my art. My goal is to hit 150 by December 31st. James, that's a great attitude. I'm so proud of you for keeping your head up and recognizing how amazing it really is that 93 other human beings are feeling connected to the work that you're putting out there. And like I said on the show, it's actually not about having the biggest following or being the best. It's about being able to create something that makes another person feel understood. And I think you're doing that. So keep marching on, keep making your art and everyone go give James some love. You can check out his art and illustrations at da, da underscore grizzly underscore artist on Instagram. If you guys want to share a win with us, you can post it in our awesome Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group, or you can also feel free to DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller. And just so you know, I read and respond to every single DM. And I mentioned to you earlier in the program, I'm doing a giveaway. I'm giving away a coaching session and I'm giving away a $500 Nordstrom gift card. So go to my Instagram and enter the giveaway because why not? What do you have to lose? If you haven't done so already, please make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast because it's free and there's so many great episodes coming up. Also, please leave us a review because it's so fun to read what you guys are thinking and feeling. And and if this is helping, it makes me feel like, great, let's keep doing it. And the very best way that you can support us, which costs nothing, is to take a second and to share this episode or another episode with a friend. I know I say that every single week, but really and truly, you may be listening sometimes to these shows and thinking, I really want to share that. And then you forget, do it right now. You know, is it this episode? Was it the episode I mentioned before with Amanda Palmer? Is it the episode with Lisa Congdon? Was it the episode on how to stop overthinking it? Just share an episode. You don't know how that might help somebody and it costs nothing. Um, also, you guys, my book is available for pre-order and there are so many things in there that are going to help you. And I'm hoping that you guys will read the book and I'm hoping that you will answer the questions at the end of every chapter and it will be like a little crash course in living life more on your terms and helping you discover what's really bringing you joy. If you do pre-order the book, then definitely go to my Instagram and enter that giveaway because that's a really cool giveaway, $500 gift card to Nordstrom and a coaching session. Thanks for listening. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I will talk to you on Monday.
march like a soldier.